mean, we're, we're like a step away from hugging each other as we play. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 14. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we place our hands into the middle of the table and discuss two card games in order without talking about it. It's Illusion and the Mind. Hey, Mamie. Welcome back. Hi, welcome back. Another great day to do a podcast. Yeah, it's been a beautiful North Carolina summer day today, which is great because tomorrow I return to work and to school. Yeah, school starts already. This summer has just flown by. It's been a good summer, though. It has. It's been a great summer. But yeah, it's starting to wrap up and come to an end. But we went out with a bang this week. We played lots of games this week. Yeah, we did play a lot of games this week and a lot of good games. Yeah, we've played some of our favorites and some of our new games. Speaking of favorites, did you notice that our wine this week is one of our favorites? Uh, I figured after making you drink rosé last week, I would break out a Malbec this week. Yeah, we have a red wine this week um, after I sent a complaining email to cardboardandwine at gmail.com. More red wine, please. Looks like the feedback was heard. It was. And so this week we have an Argentinian Malbec. It's one that we've had at a cookout with some friends. What do you think? Uh, This one's tasty. I really am a big fan of this one. Yeah, so this one is the Trivento Malbec Reserve. And I actually learned something when I was looking up this wine. You know, I'm a little bit of an English geek. And so as I was reading about how this wine was made, which is kind of like most wines are made. With grapes. Right, with grapes. In a barrel? They are handpicked and they are put in a barrel, except instead of being aged in a French oak barrel, this wine is aged in a French oak barrique. Oh, is that like a small barrel? Yeah. So I Googled it to figure out kind of what is a barrique, what makes it different. And a lot of the sources pointed out that basically it's the French word for barrel, but it often also refers to a smaller barrel. A lot of wine is aged in a 300 liter hogshead barrel, which, I mean, I have to be honest, I would rather my wine come from a barrique than a hogshead. And a hogshead. So, so a hogshead's like those traditional sized big barrels that you would see. Right. So the barrique barrels are a little bit smaller, typically about 225 liters. And it turns out, I kept reading, that when it comes to barrels for aging wine, size matters. So I think I actually know a little bit about this from what I have read about bourbon. Oh, okay. Aging, I'm sure it's the same principle. That the, the smaller the wooden vessel, the more surface area that's of the liquid that's actually touching the wood. So you get more flavor more quickly. Exactly. So wines that are aged in these barriques absorb more of the oaky notes than ones that are aged in those larger barrels. So do you taste the oak? You know, I I do. And I I like an oaky wine. This one does not taste more intensely oak, though, than than other wines I've had. Although I have no way of knowing if other wines I've had were in a barrique or not. That's right. They, You know, you didn't read their website. So who knows? I never do. (laughs) Very seldom (laughs) do, at least. Well, either way, this is a good wine, and we will continue to enjoy it, and we will probably drink more of the Trivento Reserva. That's a great lead-in to what I was going to talk about, and that is a little bit of a roadmap for some of our upcoming shows. So speaking of wine, one question that we have been asked more than a few times is, hey, your podcast is called Cardboard and Wine. When are you going to review Viticulture? Or Vinos. 
Well, yeah, nobody asks about Vina. I think mean, Viticulture is is certainly the more popular of the two game, but it's two games. But as far as I know, the two major wine theme games, Viticulture and Vinos, um, are both games that we enjoy actually, and we do plan on reviewing them over the next two episodes. Yep. So stay tuned. Yeah. So next episode, we will be talking about Vinos, which is a heavy Euro style game by designer Vital Lacerda. And we've been playing that one a ton, getting ready for, for the next episode, because that's that's a big, complex game. So we wanted to make sure we had enough plays in to give it a fair shake. Uh, but then the episode following that one, so approximately four weeks from today, uh, we will release our review of Viticulture. And you know, it's funny, Mamie, uh, probably because these are the two primary wine theme games. I feel like one question I see popping up all the time, and actually a question that I've been asked, is, so how does Viticulture and Vinos compare to one another? It's interesting because I feel like they're two different games. Even though they have the same theme, I don't know that I would necessarily compare them. Yeah, I think they are two very different games. However, they are both games that we have enjoyed playing quite a bit, and as is no surprise, we love wine, and so a game automatically gets a plus one just by wine theme. Exactly. And speaking of our love of wine, if you would like to help us purchase more wine, which is always a good thing, we are on Patreon. You can support the show. Visit patreon.com forward slash cardboard and wine, or click the Become a Patron button on our website. We'll send you a cardboard and wine button. Click the button and you get a button. Exactly. That's great. Also, I wanted to mention... I was perusing Board Game Geek this week, as I'm inclined to do. Yes, you are. Several times a day. Really? Even when you're at work? Nope, never when I'm at work. <laughs> Not once. Uh, but anyway, anyway, one thing that I, that I noticed is there's a page that I had not really gone to before. Um, Board Game Geek is not necessarily the most user-friendly laid out I website, have noticed. Um, I, would, I would say. Which is probably why I don't do it every day. Yeah, probably so. But anyway, I noticed if you... In the search bar at the top of the page, if you search for cardboard and wine, and then from the drop-down menu of what you're searching for, you actually search for podcast, um, you will go to a page that has all of our episodes hooked to our RSS feed. And I think I knew that that existed. However, there's a way that you can become a fan of our show, and I'm not exactly sure what that means. Uh, But anyway, we had a few people, which was cool. That's awesome. But anyway, I clicked on that number, and it actually brought up a list of the people who are fans, and most of them had written a nice little note. Oh, that's awesome. I know. So there was this listener feedback that I had never seen and did not even know existed. Um, but I wanted to read one from Christian. So this was from Christian on Board Game Geek, um, who became one of our podcast fans at some point. And Christian said, Hey guys, love the podcast. I've been listening for the past couple of weeks and I'm super impressed by your abilities to critique a board game. Just a quick question. Do you guys plan on talking about Clank? I heard one of you mention it in a previous episode, and I would love to hear your thoughts on the game. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Christian. That was very kind, and we will have to think about talking about Clank. Yeah, Clank's one we... I we, like Clank we a lot. definitely have played quite a bit, and um, it's certainly one that's been popular with our game group. So I think that's certainly a great idea that we could yeah, talk about Clank in we'll an upcoming show. We'll put that on the list after we get through our wine games. Yeah, and, and you know, that reminds me, um, if you're a listener of the show and you have an idea for a game we could talk about. And I would say if you've listened for a while now, you've gotten a good feel for the types of games we typically like to play. Um, So feel free to suggest games to us as well. We would always uh, love the excuse to buy new games that we have not yet heard of. 
Definitely. We're always looking for new games to buy, or at least Josh is. All right, Mamie. So I was going to talk a little bit about some of the games we've been playing this week, but you know what? We are going to cover not one, but two different games on the show in depth this week. So I think maybe we should just jump right into it. All right, the first game we're going to talk about this week is Illusion. And Illusion is a simple card game from designer Wolfgang Warsh, who is creator of The Mind, which we will discuss in just a bit. And Illusion consists of 98 colored cards that each have wildly different abstract images, consisting of four colors, blue, green, yellow, and red. And the main goal of the game is for players to place the cards in order from least to most of one of the four colors, as indicated by an arrow card that represents one of the four colors on the cards. For example, if a blue arrow is flipped over, players will, in order, play cards with the goal of putting them from least to most blue on the surface of the card. On your turn, you can place the next card from the deck into the growing line of cards based on how much blue it has, or you can stop play if you believe any of the place cards are actually incorrectly ordered with regard to the amount of blue. Play continues for several rounds, and the person with the most points is the winner. All right, so I want to say at the beginning, both of the games that we're talking about today are sort of not available in the United States easily. That's not totally true for the mind. The mind... I guess it's going to come out more widely any day now. I saw updates from Gen Con that actually was available there, uh, but it will be available from Pandasaurus Games more broadly in the U.S. But Illusion and The Mind in Germany are both published by NSV Games. And I want to say at the beginning that I purchased both of these from German Amazon. So that's Amazon.de. And it was very inexpensive. Illusion is currently six euros. However, it is listed as an add-on item. So you actually can't just order it on its own, which is great news because then you have to purchase the mind. (laughs) Or something else from German Amazon. (laughs) I was going to, you know, I was going to get some kitty litter shipped over. (laughs) But the freight on that just seemed prohibitive. Uh, So for me, that was a green light to definitely also order the mine, which is currently about nine euros. And so I think with shipping to the United States, everything was right around $20 for the two games shipped to the United States. It took about two to three weeks, which I thought was not, not bad at all. So, you know, certainly the mind you will probably be able to get easily within the next couple of weeks. Illusion though, currently not scheduled to be out anytime soon in the United States. Although I've heard rumors that Pandasaurus might pick that one up too. But if you need them right now and foreshadowing, there may be some other reasons to buy the German version. You can do so easily on German Amazon. Yeah. So how did we end up ordering games from Germany? Well, so Illusion is a game that I first played at Dice Tower Con at the heavy cardboard meetup. And so Edward, who is one of the hosts and co-creators of Heavy Cardboard, asked if anyone wanted to play a game. So I decided to play, and he taught the game Illusion to to a few folks. And what impressed me was that it's a game that, first of all, is extremely portable. He pulled this card game out of his pocket. Um, And two, he taught it to us in about a minute which is really no joke. And it was just really engaging, really fun, and was one of those, I'm like, wow, I've never seen anything like this before. Got to try to pick this one up. Yeah, so on the onset, this game seems like it's pretty simple, right? You're placing cards in order based on the percent of the card 
covered by a single color, but it's not. I mean, the, the name illusion is there for a reason. There's kind of a lot of optical illusions that go on. I think it has to do with like the white space on the card, which is not one of the colors. So it's the four colors don't make 100%. And so trying to decide whether the color is greater or less percent of the card than the other cards is really pretty complicated. And trying to make that decision, if you're going to call out and say they're in incorrect order, you know, it's tricky because if you make the right call, it's great. You get the point. But if you make the wrong call, you're giving somebody else a point. And a lot of times the difference is just like one percentage between one card and the next. I mean, it was super fun. I was not sure what it was going to be when it was just this deck of cards with abstract art on them, but it's pretty amazing. And that moment when you have to decide if you're going to call it or try to place the next card, it's, it's pretty intense. Yeah, you have to admit with this game, you know, you pull it out and and just the the cards are very evocative. And so you have to admit when you first see the cards and, and unlike other games, you're very, you're instantly interested in what's going on. Like, oh, what is this? Like, what is this about? And, you know, you start playing and instantly you're, you're, the decision making is very interesting. And I think it draws you in. I think the gameplay draws you in. I did want to mention one aspect of the game that's important is that the images that we mentioned are always face up because on the back of each of the cards, it tells you exactly what percentage of the card is taken up by each color. So the the back of every card is also unique. I mean, actually is the, I guess you could call it the answer key for the percentage of each color on the front of that card. So it's very important that that deck of cards is always face up and you don't look at the back of it until someone calls it out and says, you know what, I think there's a mistake in the way these cards are placed. Then you just flip them over down the row and see if whatever color you're trying to order them by, um, if actually you were successful or not in that endeavor. Yeah, and we should also just mention quickly that these are really great cards. I mean, they are what all cards should be. They're easy to shuffle. They're soft. I don't know what the right word is for that. They're pliable. Yeah, so these cards have what in the biz is called a linen finish. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, and and they really, I mean, these are what every card should be. (laughs) I mean, really, I kind of understand, I guess, with publishers... You know, this is probably like a more expensive type of card, but it's the best type of card. Well, and for a game that is a deck of cards, you would expect that they would, you know, have this quality of cards. And the illustrations, as Josh mentioned, are really, really cool and evocative. And they're, you know, because they are just those four primary colors. When you have this game out on the table, it's really interesting just to look at. Yeah, so so Mamie, is there anything you like about this game? Well, yeah, I mean, I I like a lot about this game. I think my probably my favorite thing about the game is how easy it is to learn and teach. I mean, you can have it, like you said, on the table in one minute. It's very, very easy to explain. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy to play. I mean, it's easy, but it's not simple. The The decision-making piece of it is complicated. Yeah, I guess it's it's easy to play, but it's not necessarily easy to make the right decision. Right. The decisions are a little challenging at times, right. in a fun way. Right, in a fun way. And, and it, But I think that there's something about the simplicity of it that makes it really accessible. I mean, I can see just taking this deck of cards to work and getting people to come and play at lunch. I know you've done that and it's something that I want to do. I mean, I think it's something that everybody would enjoy and it's pretty quick and easy to pick up. That's definitely my favorite thing. Yeah, I totally agree on all counts. Um, Is there anything you don't like about Illusion? You know, I don't 
think so. I mean, I think for what it is, it's really great. I mean, it's unique. It's unlike other things that I've played before. I mean, it's not the only game I would want to have in our collection. I, I think it probably would get a little boring if we played it over and over and over and over again. But right now I'm really enjoying it and it's something that I'm looking forward to teaching new folks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the approachability is there, um, interesting decisions. One thing I'll say, and this is not an issue for, for either of us, but this game is absolutely not colorblind friendly. That's true. <laughs> so if That's that is a true. consideration uh, for you at all, this is not the game for you. Although maybe it would be hard for any game that is about distinguishing colors. <laughs> it would be a great choice for someone who's colorblind. But if it wasn't obvious, um, I just thought I would mention that. Because distinguishing red from green, from yellow from blue is the whole point of the game. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of my new colleagues at work who is actually working on designing a game is colorblind. And we were having a conversation the other day about how that's something that he's taking into consideration, obviously, because it affects him as he works on designing his game. Yeah, that's really important. I mean, you know, I'm a, in the science world, and that's something that uh, just recently we were having a conversation about just talking to students about choices when visualizing their data, making graphs. Mm, that and, makes sense, you yeah. Know, being being very careful about, you know, you have infinite choices for the colors or patterns you use to display data. So don't use red and green. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's contrast. All right, Mamie, uh, when would we break this game up? You know, as I said, I think everyone would enjoy this game. We haven't played it with the kids yet, and they may struggle to make some of those distinctions. I mean, I struggle to make some of those distinctions <laughs> yeah, between the percentages, but we should try it with them. I mean, it's possible their young eyes are better than ours are. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I could see this would be fun to play with, with family and friends, even if they're not big gamers. Yeah, and even our more serious gaming friends, we've broken this out before or after games all week long, and everybody's enjoyed it. Yeah, this is definitely a good palate cleanser for sure. All right, Mamie, let's uh, go ahead and move into final thoughts on Illusion. All right. So at Cardboard and Wine, we use a wine-themed rating scale to rate games where one is an empty bottle, sad, disappointing, ready to go in the recycling bin. Two is a two-buck chuck, something that, you know, it'll do if there's nothing else in the house. Three is a wine in a box. There are things about it that we like and things that we don't like. Number four is a nice, easy drinking Malbec like this one that we have tonight. It's easy to enjoy. I've poured a glass and I'm looking forward to enjoying it some more. And five is a big, bold California cab, something that's only going to get better with age. So when I think about Illusion, it is a solid four, just like this Malbec. You know, I really enjoy it. I think a lot of people will enjoy it. We've played it a lot and I'm looking forward to playing it some more. So it's a good solid four. What about you? Sounds great. And and for six bucks. I mean Yeah. It's pretty good. That's uh, cheaper than this bottle of wine. <laughs> barely. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> so uh, you know, this is a neat game and like I said, it's one of the I've I've really as our collection has grown, I've become a little more on the lookout for games that are unlike other games that we have. And, yeah. and this certainly was one that I was initially drawn to because I was like, wow, I haven't seen a game like this before. And it's a neat game. And it's amazing how quickly you can get a game going, even with people who have never played before. And it's extremely engaging. The images are cool to look at. It really does draw you in. And you know, this is one that 
you know, we've really been carrying this one around with us. It's in a small box. In addition to the mind, we have them rubber banded together and we've, you've been carrying them in your purse That's pretty right. much anytime we've been going out with friends uh, because it really is perfect to the perfect game to break out in a bar or pub or even take on vacation. And that being said, I'm going to give it a three. Oh. Um, it's a really fun filler game to kill 15 minutes. I'm not sure though that I would suggest to play it if it was just us, Mamie. That's uh, true. But, you know, in the right context, I absolutely foresee this being um, a definite go-to game. So I think for friends to play as an activity with, uh, you know, people while we're killing time or to cool down from a game, I think it's great. I think, you know, just for me, the initial, whoa, that's neat, has worn off a little bit as far as just my own personal innate desire to play this game versus some others, but still, totally neat game. I can see that. All right, so are you ready to talk about our next game? That's right. I'm sure our listeners are just as excited as I am that the show's not over yet. That's right. We have more. We have one more game. It actually begs the question, uh, internal dilemma I have is, do I play the bumper music again to go into a second game? Or yes. Just- yes, play the music. All right, I'm glad we did that. So... Let's talk about The Mind. So The Mind is another card game from Wolfgang Warch that consists of cards with numbers from 1 to 100. All players form a single team, and in the first round, level 1, each player receives one card. In the second round, they receive two cards, and so on. At each level, the team members must put down all their cards in increasing order into the center of the table on an open stack, one after the other. The players don't have to take turns and can play cards in any order. Whoever wants to put down a card simply does so. The catch is that players may not disclose anything about their own cards. No discussion, no sharing of information, no secret signals. Depending on the number of players, you win the game if you successfully complete level 8 for 4 players, level 10 for 3 players, or level 12 for 2 players. And that's pretty much it. But the mind is more than just a game. It's an experiment, a journey. A team experience in which you can't exchange information, yet will become one to defeat all the levels of the game. Yeah, we didn't make that up. That was nope, from, that's from board game <laughs> the first Geek. line of Board Game Geek's description of the game. I will say maybe that settles it. There has been some debate among some folks about whether or not the mind is even a game at all. And, you know, we had this discussion with uh, amongst ourselves and with some friends and we uniformly decided, well, of course it's a game. Yes, it's totally that's a game. ridiculous. I mean, if it's not a game, then no collaborative games are games. But maybe it's not a game. It's an experiment, a journey, a team experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game. All games are experiments, journeys. and No, maybe not experiments, but it is inter- I mean, it is definitely different than any other game we have ever played. Um, yeah. The, the other funny thing about this game is I noticed, so uh, like we mentioned earlier in the show, the version we have is the German version, which actually the title is still The Mind, but all other words on the game are in German, including the tagline, which I did not know what it meant until I pulled up the Pandasaurus rules in English. And apparently the, the sub line, the tagline under The Mind is let us become one. What do you think of that? Um, is Does this that remind- our wedding? <laughs> you know, it, it totally reminded me of that Spice Girls song. When two become one? Is yeah, that- when two become one. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a flashback. I know, I think we should play that. That'd be like the official when theme. When two become one. No. 
Yeah, that's like a totally different direction for this game. Yeah, no, not not what the game is about. Uh, Yeah, unfortunately, I think that translation of that one is is off. But I get what it's getting at, right? I mean, in this game, you have to focus and get in sync with the other players if you want to defeat the game, which, by the way, we have never defeated the game yet. But we came really close this week. We did. So we, so as I mentioned, um, when I described the game, you really are just trying to play all your cards from the smallest to the largest, starting with just one each. And all the way up to, we were playing a four-player game, and the goal of a four-player game is to defeat level eight, where each player has eight cards. So literally, you're trying to play eight cards in a row without any discussion. <laughs> and we were two cards away uh, I guess three cards away. We were three cards away and we messed up. We were on our final life and we messed up. And man, that was emotional. It was. It was intense. Yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about the gameplay. So we, we have played this game quite a bit over the past few weeks. Uh, actually, I noticed uh, this is my most played game over the last six weeks. So what do you what do you think about it? Well, it's interesting. I mean, gameplay is a little interesting. The way you begin every game is a little bit more like a ritual than actual gameplay. To start a round, everyone places their hand flat and face down in the center of the table with their fingers kind of pointing towards the center all together. I'm not very good at explaining that, but you can see a picture of our ritual, uh, which actually was prior to that almost win, and that's on Instagram. Uh, Just don't comment on my lack of manicure. But anyway, the idea behind the ritual is that it helps everyone kind of center and focus so that they can communicate, even though you're not able to speak, about your cards and lay them down in order. And I have to admit, at first I thought it was a little silly. I mean, it's not like you're actually going to be reading each other's minds, but it does help you focus. And focus is really important. You know, if your mind wanders for just a minute, it can be kind of tough to figure out, you know, where your cards are going to fall in the stack. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this game is, you really do develop, I, I don't want to say you get in sync with other players that you're playing with, but you, you do develop this appreciation for their timing. And you do kind of get into this rhythm where, for example, let's say you each have four cards in your hand and someone plays um, a four very quickly and then someone else plays an 11 and then there's a pause, and then you're sort of looking around the table, and you make eye contact with the person, and you develop these nonverbal cues that are, that are not cheating. They're not signaling exactly what your card is. <laughs> but you're so, kind of reading each other's body language you are to try to figure and, out like, well, how quickly are right, they moving their card toward the pile. Or, and, you know, this is one of those things that is so hard to explain until you play it. And, it, and it's not hard to explain. Like, it's not hard to teach. The game is, at its core, really, really, really basic. Maybe the most basic of any game we've played. And perhaps that's part of why people are not even sure it's a game. I'm just going to say it. I am really enamored with this game. We mentioned playing lots of games this week, and most of those were, were mid to heavyweight Euro games. So pretty thinky games that took, you know, two or two and a half hours. After almost every one of those games, we also played The Mind. And part of that was, I'm just so excited to play it. And we've just had so much fun playing this game. Well, it just generates amazing energy, right? So you have that kind of heavy, you know, like you said, thinky energy of playing something like Vinos, which we've played a couple times this week. And it, it is kind of like a palate cleanser. 
but it's a, a stressful and exciting palate cleanser, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and I want to say just something I've noticed about this game. We have played this game, I have played this game with at least five different groups of people, uh, some of which are, are people that I haven't really ever played games with before. But the one commonality among all of those groups and all of those experiences playing the mind is at least once in every session, cheers erupted at some point, high fives were given. That's amazing. I really honestly can't think of any other game that I have that I have played that has led to so many high fives and so much emotion. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that it is cooperative and there is so much tension there and that energy just kind of builds and when it goes well, it's so exciting. I mean, you're right. Cheers, high fives. I mean, we're we're like a step away from hugging each other as we play. Yeah, I mean, it's hard it really is hard to put into words, but you know, you're you're trying to just play such a simple task trying to play these cards without communicating, but to some degree, it's such an improbable task, you know, for to have four different people who each have seven random cards between one and a hundred, trying to play them in order without any communication. But invariably, you somehow do rattle off this three or four number sequence of one in a row. And it just feels amazing. It's like, what just happened here? It's like scoring the winning touchdown in the state championship. I mean, not really, but it is. I mean, it's such an exciting moment. And that, I mean, the flip side of that is also true, right? There are those moments where that tension becomes so tight and you're not sure and that nobody wants to play a card and, you know, you're at sort of a standstill. And that's also really intense. Yeah, our friend Megan, I really was afraid for her <laughs> cardiac health <laughs> in the middle of playing this game. Yeah, it can, it can definitely be tense. You know, it, the one thing that is there if you do get totally stuck is, is what's called the throwing star, which is the one thing I'm not sure about why that's what it's called. But if you are at a place where you really can't figure out kind of what's going on, you may have a throwing star if you haven't already used them all. And when you use one of those, everybody kind of agrees that, okay, we're going to we're gonna use a throwing star now. And when you use it, everybody drops their lowest card face up so that it can be seen. And so then you kind of have an idea of what everyone at the table has. And that can be a lifesaver. I mean, I know at least once we were all hesitating to drop a card. And then when we did use our star, we realized it's because like, all of our cards were sequential. So it was going to be almost impossible. It was like 22, 23, 24. It was going to be almost impossible to get those in the right order. Yeah, and I think at that point we were, the number face up was like... Four or five or something. Yeah, Yeah. it was a big jump. And no, I mean, nobody was going to jump to to play that. And so that really helped us kind of get through that, that hurdle. Now, you only start out with one of those. So, you know, if you burn it too early... Then you're kind of stuck until I think round three or four, you get another one. Yeah, you do gain some extra lives and throwing stars. And, and I want to say one thing I really, that leads into one thing I really like about this game also, and that is the difficulty level feels good. If the game were tuned in such a way that it was too easy, if it was like, oh, get through level six and you win. Right. You know, we would have won five or six times by now. I feel like the the victory condition getting through level 8, 10, or 12, depending on player count, feels really hard, but not impossible. And almost to a perfect level where 
if and when we ever do beat it. We'll see if we still feel that way if we've played it like a hundred more <laughs> times and never beaten it. But it would feel like truly an achievement to, oh, yeah, to win. It would. And I think that's cool. You know, I think there actually are very few games. Can you think of any other game that's like that, that is tuned in such a way that it's almost, it's not impossible, but it's so hard to win that only a fraction of the time are you actually going to do it? Yeah. I mean, I can't think of a game that is that way that I would enjoy playing. Well, right? That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, yeah. I think you're, for you're most other games, if that was the case, I would get frustrated. But because of those moments of victory where you do make it through a level or you make it through a a phase where you thought you were not going to get through, but yet everybody plays in the right order, like those celebrations are so intense that it's it like keeps you coming back for more. I almost think that this is a game that I could imagine, you know, sitting around camping or at the bar or just at our house with some friends or like Thanksgiving dinner with our families. Yeah. I could imagine Anybody. playing this game for an hour or two. Just, okay, well let's try it again. Well, cause, cause really you do, you mess up and you lose and you're like, you, my initial thought is always, well, let's do it again. Yeah. I think we can do it. I agree. All right. So is there anything that you don't like about the mind? You know, I think just like illusion, there's not really anything I don't like. Um, I, I'm not sure I could sit around and play it all night long. I do feel like I might get frustrated. I might get bored if we were playing it, you know, a hundred times in a row. But I do, you know, I do really like it. I'm glad it's part of our collection. I look forward to playing it a lot more with a lot of people. I am curious if you had to compare the two, which would you prefer? If somebody could only order one, the illusion or the mind? Oh, absolutely the mind. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, illusion is cool. Absolutely. It's neat. But just the level of, I mean, really, why do we play games, right? To have fun. Uh, The level of fun and emotion (laughs) that we have had playing the mind is, is up there with any other game we have, honestly. Like, we have had some really memorable times playing this stupid little card game. I know. Uh, So, I think... You know, I think honestly, once this one becomes more available in the United States, this could be a big game. You know, this could be a real hit. Yeah. Uh, I think this could be one that makes it to pop culture. So so we kind of skipped over the components a little bit because, again, it's just cards. And to be honest, these games are, are, the cards are identical to the type of card in Illusion. So every great thing we said about the nice linen cards and the quality of Illusion absolutely true here in the mind. One thing I do hope about, and the only reason I, I made sure to mention that I'm, I'm mentioning this is I, I wanted to say the version that I have is the NSV German production of the mind. And I did see one thread on board game geek about a different game that also was originally published by NSV that was then picked up by Pandasaurus, a game called the game. <laughs> but anyway, um, there was just one thread that some people who were familiar with both mentioned that the Pandasaurus version actually did have a thinner card stock and not the same oh. sort of linen finish as the German version. Certainly can't confirm this yet for the mind, but it's something to pay attention to. Uh, and I'd love to hear someone let us know, maybe if you've picked up an early copy of the Pandasaurus version. Um, I haven't actually seen that version firsthand. And I only say it because... In the mind, 
cards staying in good shape and remaining unmarked is kind of critical here. Uh, you don't want to be able to identify one sort of bent card from, from the rest. And you are shuffling a lot in this game because between every round, um, you're putting cards right. back and you're reshuffling them again. So um, I'm really hoping that the the cards in the U.S. distribution are those nice, durable, easy-to-shuffle cards as the German version. All right, Mamie, let's go ahead and give our final thoughts on The Mind. I struggle with this one a little bit, but for me, The Mind, it's amazing. It's so much fun to play. I, it's so unlike anything that I've ever played. But I can't quite give it a five because it is so simple. So for me, it is a four, but it's like, you know, I never can just do a straight number. It's like a 4.5. It's really, really enjoyable. And I'm definitely looking forward to playing it a lot more. But it doesn't have the the depth, the chutzpah that I would need in a game to, to get to that five. 4.5 though from you, that is a high score. It's true. I mean, it's so much fun. That energy and excitement just like draws you in. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I agree um, if it hasn't been clear already. I'm obsessed with this game right now. It'll be interesting to see how that is over time. But at least at this moment, I would play The Mind at any time with anyone at the drop of a hat. Honestly, I could probably play it with you right after this if you wanted to. I think to. that's a great idea. Um, I, as I mentioned, I love that it doesn't feel impossible, but it does feel hard. It feels like a real challenge. And to me, that's part of the appeal as well. Um, you know, the other night when we got to two cards away and then we failed, <laughs> I don't know if we have had a gaming moment like that before where we were so invested in the game uh, that we felt seriously dejected for a minute or so uh, just based on that outcome. You know, we've had that just speaks a lot to the fun that we've had playing this game with a lot of different people. And it's crazy because the game is such a stupidly simple concept. You know, I think this really, this and the illusion fall into this. Why didn't I think of that? Right. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a deck of cards numbered one to a hundred. Yeah, that's it. But you know, the way it ramps up with increasing numbers of cards and the way you can achieve those extra lives or throwing stars after certain rounds makes it feel a little more game-like. Um, but anyway, this game Easily a four for me, a high four, just like you made me. Say a 4.5. Sure, I'll say 4.5. I agree. I can't throw the five down because, you know, when I think about some other games that are fives for me, these are real achievements by game designers. Right, <laughs> really exactly. Uh, but man, it's just such a fun game that we have so much enjoyed playing. So I'm with you. I'm going to give it a, a high four for what it is. Totally great. Keeping it in my back pocket when I go out for the foreseeable future. You know you never keep anything in your back pocket. You keep give me everything <laughs> to put in my purse. I know it didn't sound to say I'm going to keep it in Mamie's purse for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Cardboard and Wine. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine. Check out photos of the games we've been playing on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine. You can send us an email at cardboardandwine at gmail.com or jump right into our guild on Board Game Geek. And you can become a fan and leave us a message. Yeah, and we will read it on the show. That's right. You can also leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Since we are a pretty new podcast, it helps new listeners find the show. All right, everyone. Until next time, cheers, cheers and happy, happy gaming. gaming.